We are here with the wonderful Ayana. We bring you movers and shakers Especially of the globe. Back to her. I'm a fan. And we have rapport, guys. I've gone global. <laughs> like you fail at CrossFit. You know, you haven't lifted the ball that high. <laughs> Okay, oh God, okay. Broke, that guys. was such a slow payoff, but no problem. <laughs> I quite honestly, and I love the rapport that you guys have. And it sounds like you've always loved movies. Good stories will travel. Yes, we're rich. We're super excited for that. That's all. Hello, everyone. Yay. Hi. Welcome to another episode of the amazing, awesome Ink Bloods Me Can Greet. I was going to go with the third A, but I couldn't think of, I couldn't think of the third one. is not your friend. Well, yes, I know, right? So I would try and rhyme, but I would stop. So, yeah, so we are here with the wonderful Ayana. <gasps> Alliteration. You yes. see, I was going somewhere <laughs> of Amazon. You see, that's why we, you see. Oh okay, God, okay. That was such a slow payoff, but no problem. <laughs> you, know, you see, that's why delayed gratification is an actual thing. Right. So, you know, normally we go around and we play around before we introduce. But you see, I was doing the whole A thing to get to her name, which is an A. In the government, she works is an A. a yes. you know? My middle name starts with A. Oh, really? Yes. See? Yes. Wow, research, you failed us. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, on you. Actually, that's on me. Actually. Yes, shame. Go to the naughty corner. I'm already in the corner. I don't understand. Anyway, it's nice to meet you. Meet. Introduce, introduce properly, Mr. Man. No, but you, you, I was enjoying my alliteration. Thing. No, okay, no. yes. So we are here with Ayana. You know, this is what we do for you, our viewers, right? You know, we bring you movers and shakers Secondly of the globe. Back to her. Back to no, her. I'm saying of the global okay. film industry, you know, who, you know, are august personalities in their own rights. So yeah. Ayana is the current director and head of worldwide major studio licensing. Is that it's, correct? Yes, yeah, a mouthful. Even I forget sometimes. Yes. yes. Research. Pass. Well done, Damola. Thank you. <laughs> now, I would like to highlight that he said major studio licensing. So technically, Inkblot is a major studio. Are you sure? Wow. Really? Mm, I have to bring it back to us. I, you know, marketing, you also have to sell yourself. So, yes. Guys, we have a Yanalonian with us. And yes. we're super excited, excited. to have yes. you here. Yes. I am very happy to be here. Yay! Yes. Thank you. When very she first much. told us that she watches our podcast, I was shy. I'm not going to think I was like, hi, hey, we've made too many mistakes in this podcast. Do you podcast. understand? Why? I was like, we should take this thing more seriously. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> you have a global audience. I watch your podcast Ooh. from Los Angeles like every no week. No pressure. Oh, so you have a global yes. audience of one, at least yes. of one. Yes. I'm so now you have one person that's here from America. Yes. Now we know. Now we know. <laughs> Now I'm getting an agent. I've gone global, please. You guys can't just talk to me anyhow anymore. I need security around me when I'm in public. I don't care about these two. They're wow. fine. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so why did you say yes? Yes. Ah, uh, because I love your podcast. Oh, wow. I, I'm not joking. I, I mean, I watch it from Los Angeles. I am that one, I guess, that one viewer you have. Yes. But maybe one day you'll have two from, from the yes. U.S. Awesome. Um, but no, I, I learn a lot about movers and shakers. Um, I, I see other actors, actresses, people in the Nollywood industry. And I, I quite honestly, and I love the, the rapport that you guys have. So uh, oh. I watch it every week. I'm a fan. Oh, oh thank you. And we have rapport, guys. Yeah, so we have rapport. We have rapport. You know, I'm going to just frame this episode on my wall where it's just going to be there, playing on a loop every single time, whenever. Yes, play. <laughs> Like you fail at CrossFit, you know, you haven't lifted the ball that high, and then you come back and then you watch it and then you feel good about yourself. You know, you drop in the rankings from 10 to 15, you know, those types of things. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can hope in those moments of time, if I uplift you then, I feel, oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, see, 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 see. see? You know? 
Silver lining, not like you, dark cloud no, but of I was, doom but and I was gloom. giving you a way to get yourself back. You no, see? yeah, just a dark cloud of doom I'm, and gloom. I'm looking out for Incremental. you. <laughs> exactly. Wow, really? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm now hurt. No. But so, anyway, yes. So, um, so talk okay. to us. Uh, so how does somebody get to do this? Like, do you wake up at five years old and say, I want to be the director and head of Worldwide, worldwide Global? Major. No, no. no worldwide, worldwide major, major studio, studio global license. licenses. Yes, no global. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I guess, uh, but truthfully, I, I think the answer is, is well, speaking for myself, the answer I think is inevitably no, because when I was five years old, services like Amazon Prime Video didn't didn't even exist, yeah. right? I, I remember when I was uh, at home, probably five or six, and I remember the, the day my father came home with like a cable box, and I was like so amazed. We were like, what is that? Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, it's, it's, it's cable. You can get HBO in the US. So this okay. was a long time ago. And it was just like amazing to me. So short answer is no. When I was young, you know, my the job I have today literally didn't exist. But you know, my hope is that for young five-year-olds or six-year-olds or, or young girls or boys today, you know, these types of jobs will exist in the future and they'll they'll you know pursue them. But then it sounds like you've always loved movies. Or media. Ah, uh, I've always loved media. Okay. I was, I've always loved media. And I don't know, again, my career evolved in, a, in over time in different ways, but I always loved media. And so when I was in, it was probably my second year of college when the internet was just taking off and media existed and like things like I, digital downloads on iTunes existed. And then you had this intersection of like tech and media. Around that time, I knew I wanted to work in that space, mm -hmm. but I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do because I often have thought of myself as like a business person. And it wasn't quite clear to me early in my career where somebody who was a business person fit in the world of media. Okay. And so what was the first step to figuring out? So what was the first thing you did that said, okay, this is business, but media, that means that I can do that? It was a series of steps. Okay. So it was a series of steps. So when I graduated from college and I knew I kind of wanted, or really it was business school, I knew I wanted to stay in media. It was more about, you know, talking to people and saying, hey, here's my background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's, you know, the places I have worked or the things I have studied and where, where do I fit within the context of this company or this aspect of media? So I was living in the U.S. at the time. I went to business school in, in uh, Chicago and I was graduating and I knew, I, I, I thought of the world of media differently at that time. I thought of like, East Coast media versus yeah, West, West Coast, Coast media, media right? I thought of West Coast, yeah. Creative, all these studios, you know, producers on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And I thought of like business, the business side of media on the East Coast. And at the time, I was, I, I was kind of terrified of the West Coast because I'm from Oklahoma and California just seemed really big and far away. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I can't, that's very far. Uh, and so I kind of focused on the East Coast. And then it was just talking to different people and trying to figure out like, where does somebody with my background, where can I fit within the context of these companies? So basically, you forged your path. There was no one to look to that, you know, looked like what you might want to be. You kind of just started working and, you know, felt your way through. I did. I, I definitely, I had the benefit of, like, mentors mm -hmm. uh, who gave me advice at different points when I was at different crossroads. Should I take this job or that job? Or what do I, how do I think about opportunities? But it was very, it was very much me to sort of, like finding out those opportunities and making like incremental steps that I thought made sense to me at the time. But there wasn't, I can't honestly can't say there was one single person who was like charting the path that I was following. Yeah. I was sort of forging my own path as I went. So did that mean having to work with 
I mean, looking at the record, does that mean having to work with like different companies, different media companies, for example? Because I know that you worked with Disney, Disney, you worked Mm -hmm. with ESPN. So pretty much like, how did those companies shape you? It was all like kind of an incremental process. So I graduated from coming out of business school and I didn't have a job. And at least in the U.S., for you know, at least at the point in time when I was going to business schools, like the majority of folks in my class either went to Wall Street, they were going to be bankers, mm-hmm. or or they were going to go work for companies like McKinsey yeah. and mm-hmm. um, Bain, Bain and be, yeah. and be uh, ECG. Yep, uh, consultants. Consultants. Yeah. Or for the school I went to, they specialized in marketing. Okay. So I was kind of like this outlier. There were only like a small handful of us. Were like, yeah, we're going to do something in media. So in my case, Case, like when I was coming out of my second year of business school, I, I kind of I was focused on the East Coast and I was focused just on like companies that had good cultures that I thought would resonate with me personally and ended up taking my first job at, on the corporate strategy and corporate M&A group at the New York Times company. Okay. And it, it was very incremental because I wanted, I'd had all this kind of media, I had some product uh, experience, but I didn't have like financial transactional experience. And so it was very interesting to me to build on, on that. And then I was there for a while, and then like ESPN, Disney, it always had this culture that was known for being very entrepreneurial and go, 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 go. And people told me at the time, if you want to work in content distribution anywhere in the US, you worked for the Walt Disney Company. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they said, if you work in the Walt Disney Company, you go work in ESPN and their affiliate sales group, because that's they're this known for big deals and all sorts of exciting stuff. So what's affiliate sales? I said the same thing, <laughs> you know. I was at the New York Times company, and my friend she sent me this job. My, you know, she sent me this job uh, description, and she said, "Hey, these folks at the ESPN affiliate sales group are looking for somebody to do strategy." And I said the same exact thing. I said, "What is affiliate sales?" And so I had to take a day off from work because we had, you know, I had to call in sick because I was going to go do for interview. And then of course I had to rent a car in New York. The car rental place was right across the office from the, my, my job at the New York Times <laughs> oh company. Oh my goodness! So that was awkward. So <laughs> (laughs) then I had to sneak in, drive a rental car, and I drove all the way out to like Connecticut to this building that looked like a warehouse to meet with the affiliate sales people. But the affiliate sales group, effectively what that means is that was like content distribution to like B2B distributors of content. So like in the US, if you watch ESPN or Disney Channel, you're you're watching that through like a cable company or pay TV company, Mm -hmm. or if you're buying something on iTunes or even, you know, consuming something on Amazon Prime. So this was like the B2B sales group that Mm -hmm. was responsible for selling the rights to distribute Mm -hmm. Uh Disney content. Um, Okay. But to bring it full circle, so I, I, when I left uh, the New York Times company to go to to ESPN is because I wanted, I wanted to get like sales negotiation experience. Mm-hmm. And then uh, years later, when I left uh, ESPN to join Amazon, it was because I was going to get like international content distribution. So it, so there were always these very specific things that I wanted like out of each out job that mm-hmm. I took. That So over time, they've built up, but it wasn't like part of some master plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that like international, so I guess looking for where we sit, I mean, <clears throat> we're we are international. I and mean, you know how you think you're a lookout? but in the eyes of the broader media, we're the international segment mm. of media. Mm-hmm. So like seeing that cross-pollination of international media, how, how do you see that sitting on your side of the world? If that question made sense. I re- no, I don't I, think it made sense. So what I mean is that like, so, okay, so from Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. When we say con- our content is going global, mm-hmm. that is internal, internationalization out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But from the US, the US has always been going global. But yeah. what does internationalization, internationalization mean Into, from a US perspective as that content is coming? Yeah, taking content from across them. So like, the what world. What does that feel like? How does that US. decision matrix look like from that side of the world? 
Oh, I think I see. Um, yes. It's like it's a. I would say like it's a multi-prong decision making, and and maybe, maybe if I if I only like you know Amazon Prime Video, we operate on a global basis, mm -hmm. right? So there's always going to be some some lens that we have that is thinking like local and thinking like global. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I understand your question, I think you're asking like, if we were to acquire Nollywood content for our service outside of Sub-Saharan Africa, outside of Nigeria, how do we think about that? Yes. How do yes. we think about the, the importance of that? Um, so at the highest level, I mean, we, we look for content and we strive to identify content that will like, we'll use the word delight very okay. deliberately because okay. that's how we think about it. Like content that will delight our customers mm -hmm. either within the region, so in this case, Nigeria, but also outside mm -hmm. of Nigeria. So for us, it's always about, and the, 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 I guess I would say the, the, the logic or the decision making that sort of drives our, our decisions on like what to acquire for any given part of the world mm -hmm. is at its highest level, like what content do we think will delight our customers within that part of the world? Uh -huh. So there are different ways that we may go about sort of assessing that demand for a particular uh, type of content, whether it's like Nollywood content or Bollywood content or, mm -hmm. or telenovelas or Japanese anime or what have you. But we're always thinking about, our lens is always a little bit from the customer first and how can we delight customers and what is the demand for that, for that type of content in, in that part of the world. Okay. Speaking of content, I know you watch a lot of Nollywood movies. You have to, right? Which is your favorite? <laughs> and you need to answer carefully. No, your favorite that oh. we made. Let me help you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Zulu, 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 I think Zulu phrased it properly, well. right? Yeah. Which is your favorite and answer, oh. you know. And why is it an Inglot film? Yes, yeah, so yes. Oh, yes. Why? And why is it an Inglot yeah. film? Yes. Uh, let me think, I mean. What is my favorite? I watch about like 10 to 15 Nollywood movies a week, by the way, so I watch quite a bit. I think my favorite Inkblot uh, film, or one of my favorites overall, I would have to say, uh, I think I like The Setup. Oh. Okay. I also like Up North. Okay. Um, of course, there's Wedding Party 1, Wedding Party 2. Yay, Wedding Party 2 stands in the house. <laughs> All three of us. Yes. Yeah, the only one. You and I mean, I'm excited about wedding party, right? Did I liked you? Moms at War too. Moms yeah, at War, yes. For, for different reasons. I, I thought I, I was, I was expecting that to end. I, I mean, I love the direction, the relationship between the two female protagonists. You guys evolved that in a way that just was inspiring and delightful. Like, so I, I like all of them for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I think, but I think right now I really was intrigued with like the setup because I love the the plot twist. Mm -hmm. I love. I thought for the cast, many of whom you know I follow, but different you know uh, different roles, different dynamics. But mm -hmm. yeah, that that's those are I think my favorites. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we're very proud of the set office. And I believe that it's actually your favorite Nollywood film. It, has to be. it is. Yes. Yeah. It's not okay. just because it's Inglot and you're an Inglot. Yeah, I mean, we don't have favorite films, but the set office is uh, near and dear <laughs> to our hearts. It's near and dear just because, like, so there are films like that where. So, I mean, so like in Hollywood, they call them my, my goodbye to the industry, even though we are not saying goodbye to the industry. It was just a. Can we can we actually pull this off? Yeah. Because the film that inspired us to make the setup is a film called The Handmaiding, which mm. actually you guys bought on your service mm. by Pang Chung Wok. I think that's his name. Mm. It's a Korean yeah. movie. Yes, it's a Korean movie. And I saw it at TIFF and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we could make something like that? Just because I was like, it's because it's 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 a big budget, it's lush, but it <clears> basically <throat> takes bold like chances and it pushes the everybody like. Yeah. Why not? Like, I mean, the question is, why, like, why can't you take that chance? And so the last time we did something like that was arbitration, I guess, where we mm -hmm. said, you know what, let's make a legal drama, but do this version of it. So the setup is... Should we tell her the, the story 
I'll tell you the story. Mm -hmm. No, please, <laughs> because I often wonder, like, where where your ideas come from, right? Oh, like, no, no, no. I mean, that was Nazi's idea okay. um, after watching Handmaidens. But I want to tell you about that, about the setup and how we had um, a, a traumatic experience. <laughs> so we're going to, we were actually talking to a major studio in the U.S. Mm -hmm. for that film. Okay. And then it happens that the studio head um, was in a sex scandal. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think that that was where we're going. But but yeah. Was <laughs> okay. in a sex scandal with some young lady, and so he had to step down, and mm. the deal was up. I just said I'll put this out there that you know we sitting here in Nigeria mm -hmm. making a film and you know trying to market it out there, mm -hmm. push it out there, and you know some sex scandal stops our dreams. Basically, just wrecks mm. it, and then we it's say, like okay, a fine. train wreck. <laughs> Let's put it in cinemas and. <laughs> It's weird where people see the movie and mm -hmm. we always get random responses about it. So people are always like, oh, I really like it. Some, some Nigerians will go, but why was the movie so difficult? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then some other people are like, oh, I love it. All the twists and turns made me pay attention. So you've got, it's polarizing on some level. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. And it's really great. And I remember <laughs> the first time we saw I remember the first time I saw it at, but, Nazi the screening for us at the house. Yeah, it was a rough cut. It was a rough cut too. Damola left in in anger at a rough cut. Damola stormed off. Yes, like you people. Oh no, it was a mess. It wasn't a first cut. It was mess is a strong word. Naz. So, so it needed a lot of work after the first cut. It needed a lot of work because so it worked. So what? So the first cut was an assembly of the script, and the problem was that people got lost. Because mm. you couldn't, you didn't know who you were following. You didn't know like all the folds that worked, all the folds back on itself. Because a lot of flashbacks, yes, right? Exactly. There's a lot of yeah. yeah so, so all of that worked the, in the, the first script. Script was pretty much chronological. Yes, mm. with a few flashbacks, but we oh. didn't seg no, the segmentation by person's yes. story mm -hmm. allowed us to ground the audience into yeah. what who, who to focus, who to focus on. on and that was just to, that was my entire yeah. gross that night. Yeah. Yeah. That was stormed off. <laughs> yeah. was like, no, I fixed it for you. Zulu was like in passing as she was leaving. So you know, yes, you know, why you just, I mean, because let me not lie, I didn't know who I was following. Yeah. And so then when we when Vicky and I and he went back to cut it, we were like, okay, how do we orient it? How mm -hmm. do we and then the other thing that helps is that my sister's song was not in the film at that point. Wow. <laughs> so no, it's true now. Yeah, because, that's true. because yeah. literally that song, like oh, yeah. um, when the lights go out, when lights go out. literally set the way we edited the film. Yeah. Because we had because mm -hmm. in our mind we thought like we had to make a film that was worthy of that, of mm -hmm. that song. Because right. the song was so good that we were like, yes, we had to. And it turned out pretty well. People yeah. are still proud of the fact that the setup exists. Whether yeah. or not they came to see it in cinema, which by now we are forgiving them. <laughs> so. No, I mean, it's a wonderful, I mean, it's a very ambitious film, right? Yeah. It's not, I, I would say, I mean, it stands out in my mind. And again, I've seen, a, I watch a lot of Nollywood, but I don't pretend to have watched every single movie, but mm -hmm. it does, it was, it was, you know, I said that it had an ambitious and a complex plot. And I, and I, I, I mean, I like that. It was very, even I'm thinking of other movies, whether it's things like Inception or just other things in the U.S. where you have the same, you know, shifting of time, complex mm -hmm. plot, you know, it was very, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, thank you. So yeah. I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, you watch 10, 15 movies a week. What would you like to see? Because I'm sure that's one question that everybody wants to know. Okay, mm -hmm. So what would she like to see from a Nollywood movie? What kind of Nollywood movies work for you? Because I'm sure that's what everyone wants to know. No, I mean, I would like to see just other, I would, 
And again, it may be a reflection just like, because again, I haven't watched every single Nollywood movie. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pretend to, but I would love to see Nollywood continue to grow and lean into other types of like subgenres that I feel like I don't see a lot of, mm. whether that's things like crime, uh, suspense, um, uh, not thrillers. Uh, you know, I'd like to see maybe different types of like action adventure movies, etc. So I mean, I love. I feel like Nollywood, like has clearly romantic comedies, uh, uh, dramedies, etc. I see a, a lot of that, but just other, just continue to build off of it and lean into those other just types of genres or really subgenres that exist. I think that's where there's a lot of opportunity just to continue to build, it, but it can, but, but do so without losing the authenticness of Nollywood mm -hmm. and those underlying like Nollywood stories. Okay. Yeah. That is the challenge, right? Because mm -hmm. how do you make a crime drama mm -hmm. giving that Nigerian's exposure to police and experience of police is a certain way. So those are the kind of things that people are trying to think about. So the one that sticks in my head more than anything else is Akia Motoshaw's Ghost on the House of Truth, mm -hmm. where he basically took it from the point of view of a corruptible police officer who was who was literally a standout person in the department mm -hmm. trying to find a missing girl. A missing girl. Yeah. So I guess yeah. figuring out those types of like is because that because it makes sense like crime cells like there are tons of like policemen no, against the world well, etc. Right? Right? Because there's always a meme in there's a meme about Nollywood movies where the police only investigate in Nollywood movies, which is just like an indictment on the real police in Nigeria, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So there's that sense of we, we have to kind of like find a way where what we want to stay true to what Nigerians know about police. The police. We also but want to be same, aspirational. But you also want, want to be aspirational, aspirational. aspirational. You also want to make it look good. So it's kind of where it's a it's a it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic when you think about it. But I, but I like the idea of doing different subgenres. Mm -hmm. Where can we do suspense? Can we do so? I would say something like King of Boys is a different subgenre yeah, mm -hmm. because it is it's crime. It's it's almost crime, like Godfather-ish, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that falls within that realm. Um, arbitration is a different genre altogether. So that's still drama, sorry. But it's legal drama. Yes. Charge and Bail is a legal drama. So what we do is that we take the regular um, genres that people know and then and we then try and layer, layer something, something on top, on top of it. it. Mm -hmm. So I guess we can always do that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are ways that a lot of people can find to create more subgenres within it. But mm -hmm. I also guess there's the commercial sense for most people. Mm. And that's the commercial decision, partly because cinema yeah. is your is our, your first go-to mm -hmm. in film, this yeah. market. In this. So that kind of like dictates what you create, more or less. But, but I mean, you guys, because you, you, you have a different vantage point than I do, but how, how do you do that, right? Like, I mean, I, I'm just curious, and I know I was asking earlier, like, where, where do your ideas come from? Because that's something that just fascinates me. Is it like, hey, we want to do this crime drama, but uh, the commercial realities are that we maybe we don't pursue that project because of the commercial viability about it. But like, where, where do ideas or, or, or ideas for movies in different subgenres start for Inkblot? Like, how do you decide what to produce in a given year? That's it's so. It's anywhere. weird because anywhere. so right. the inspiration comes from anywhere, right? Because mm -hmm. I remember. There was this whole day where we went on some boat trip, went to like some beach house. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we were on the boat and we we're having the conversations because we're seeing a lot of these villages. Uh, villages that just right Being on the boat. very careful about the story about it. Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm just saying. When this film is supposed to come out. Wait, but just keep going. Calm down. But it's a, it's a good version. But yeah, yeah. Okay. but just like we're yeah. there and that sparked like a story idea right there. And then we started having the conversation on the boat and all. And we're like, okay, fine. So it's something that we need to do, right? 
Now, the question is, when will we get around to it and all of those kind of things? But also, like I said, stories can come from anywhere, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes the simplest stories, like something like John Wick, for example, is a oh, very simple, straightforward Lord story. Have mercy. But wow. <laughs> how did we get here? I'm just saying. Even the cameramen are like doing their hands. Like, oh my God, John Wick again. Oh, no, but Mimo, is, is like, this your favorite movie? I've, I've heard that John Wick is your favorite, or the I John am... Wick series is your favorite movie. Or... It's one of those things where it's a well done. It's a yes or no answer. You don't have to explain why John Wick is your favorite movie. That it is one of my favorite movies. Okay. Let's put it that okay. way. Okay. So I'm say, but it's can we take a simple story? Then what can you layer on top of it? And then where are the what other fairy dust or spectacle can you put in there? Then in mm -hmm. execution, what else? So it's one of those things where the ideas come from anywhere. Yeah. And it, it starts that way. And usually, I think amongst us, it's the snowball effect where mm -hmm. you, your idea comes up and if it rolls down and doesn't gain traction, yeah, that goes But in away. your case, so you're saying the ideas come from real life. So going back to, or is it really just a spark? It could just be another... It's a spark sometimes. Sometimes it's real life because some of our movies have been based on real life experiences amongst us in some way, shape or form. And some of that ones is just... Yeah. So it's yeah. real life forms what I call the spark. So for example, Out of Luck is a good example. Yeah. I was literally, I came out of my office and I was walking to get food. And literally, this was maybe 2009. Yeah. So this was way before Inglot. And, well, I guess two years is not way before, mm -hmm. but, and then there was the Baba Ije, the betting station people, station, at that time, they were everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh, corner. this is a really cool idea. And then, I, and then when we made Out of Luck, it started literally from a movie about a, a betting person. And then, so that was the, the genesis was betting. But then it snowboarded into what happens if a, gangster places a bet, but he places the bet after the deadline, but the ticket wins, so the ticket doesn't count. So he then takes whatever to the boy. So, and then who is this boy that bets? Okay, he's the boy, his, his girlfriend is the ex-girlfriend of the village guy. That's why he's out to get him. Why is he also special? He was, his father, his, his, his brother is rich. He chose to be poor. So all those layers, like, so he's a person who, could I aspire to more in life, but he's been hurt before. No. So you just... You keep laying it on. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then, then it becomes... You start adding the commercial elements element. as so well. Then, yeah. Because you know it's going to cinema. Yeah. So, so once you know it's going to cinema, you then look at the story you're telling, then you mm -hmm. then start to look at like your casting. Mm -hmm. So who's in it, right? Things like that. And then just start to work your way down the ladder of, okay, so who are we casting? Huge set pieces. Yeah, what the, what the scale of the film? film. What would Instead of, of situating this scene in a in a room and palo, mm -hmm. you know, less. why don't you put this in a restaurant? Restaurant. Why do you put you know, it in a car or something? Space. Why? Mm -hmm. to, to but do you ever feel thing. like you have to make compromises when you when you layer on the commercial aspects of, of it? Course. Every mm -hmm. time. Well, I don't compromise <laughs> because, no. because I think it's the way you approach it. So, for example, the best example I can actually charge and bill, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So charge and bill. When one of the things that was missing was the authentic Nigerian part of it. So you can treat it and say, oh my God, we have to layer in the funny lawyers. Oh, what is us? My dream is being killed of artistic Well, we glory. did layer in the funny lawyers. No, but my point is like, mm -hmm. but you can layer it and, and basically say, how do you make, how do these funny lawyers make the film better? They make them so, integral so that, to the so story. So it's way, not compromised yes, in that it's not sense. Compromised. It's actually so, an invasion. It, 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 yeah. Yes, exactly. And another example is out of luck. It's not out of luck, it's up north. Mm -hmm. So when I wrote the draft of up, I didn't want that running through the, um, running to get to the stadium the, at the last minute thing mm -hmm. because I felt it was cliche. Mm -hmm. So what we want the director and the 
I was like a, a partner, Eddie came, they, I, I was, they said, Naz, let's meet. So they literally dragged me and they sat and said, Naz, we need this scene. Naz, you must give us this scene. Naz, everybody came for this scene. You cannot deprive the audience yeah. of this scene. And I was like, but think about it. Every time you see a sports movie, yes. this scene is there. Mm -hmm. Why do you want this scene? They're called tropes for a reason. We like our we don't tropes. We have to re argument, I know. <laughs> we, I was there. I'm and just it, saying, in case you are ready. I'm so then <laughs> I rewrote that bit to add that scene. And then I got even more carried away. Uh -huh. And then we then added during the, when the announcer was speaking, mm -hmm. all those vignettes of people watching it. I love that though, yes. the boys with the trans, the, the, like the radio. Yes, exactly. I, I thought that was a wonderful, authentic yes. scene. Yes. It was authentic, yes. So I had to find a way into it that made sense for the story mm -hmm. rather than, so basically it was the whole thing about the, like the father and the mother deciding to go, mm -hmm. and then the father actively taking steps like the, from the flat tire to hopping on the keke. So I had to find a way to make it part of the story that like the father who was against the daughter running now was actively trying to make her get there. Mm -hmm. So it actually added a certain, what's it called, rather than, so the trope has value, Damala, I'm not saying it doesn't, but I just had to, but it was just like, if I had taken the whole, oh no, oh no, oh no, because I was very worried about the whole, um, because that film, most people don't know this, because we didn't, we didn't say that's what, because nobody asked us this question, is actually weirdly designed a little bit like Lawrence of Arabia, in mm. terms of basically a young cocky person goes and goes native. So roughly the broad, so one of the things that they did was like, they had a lot, so weird, that was actually the conversation I had with the director a lot. Go and watch Lawrence of Arabia and see the transition. Because you wouldn't actually think that that is this. But Lawrence of Arabia, with his big, like the immensity of it, was one of the things we were trying to capture with Up North. Like, like basically a man against coming to a world that is much larger than him and he finds himself in that world. So a lot of the spanning vistas and stuff feels an answer. So I was very against cliche in, my, in our attempt to do David Lean. Mm. But we found our way into that and then it turned out really well. Editing actually had to go, because we didn't have time the first time to get a lot of the, oh, those yeah, vignettes footage. footage. The footage. So Editing actually went back to Bauchi like and a few months and shot, it, and shot all of those things. He almost died doing because he fell off a tree. Like one of those, you know where the people are in the, like the swamp yeah. with the transistor radio. Yep. He, sat, he, he climbed on a tree to take that shot and the branch broke. And he literally missed hitting his head on, mm -hmm. a, on, on an, an, a, an exposed stump. Yeah, and I was like, and I was like, that, that scene was not that important. He was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. it so. I mean, it just no. made those little scenes, made the movie. Yeah, I no, mean, I agree. We add to it. Yeah. No, but, oof. Yes. Up North, Lawrence of Arabia. If you haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia, go and watch Lawrence of Arabia. Thank me later. <laughs> so, yes. So, the other place we get our inspiration is that we are voracious consumers of all sorts of content. Everything. One of the advantages of Nigeria is that we, we sit at a crossroads of different, like, like a potpourri of Nollywood, Bollywood, K-dramas, K -dramas, yeah. um, um, telenovelas, telenovelas. So we're, Japanese yeah, films as well. One so, and then Hong Kong, we, we have like the Hong Kong books, stuff, yeah, yeah. we have the K-drama stuff, we have Japanese anime, then you've got like the Chinese martial arts stuff. Okay. So yeah. all of that, watch yeah. all of that, then there is, that's even that's from the East, then you've got like your BBC stuff, your yes, the Canal stuff. Plus stuff, mm -hmm. yes. then you've got like your 
uh, Nollywood stuff that we do here. Then you've got like your American stuff and then your Latin American stuff. Like yeah. So we watch everything. So we watch everything. Yeah. Do you feel like one of those, because you're right, it's, it's, I think like Nigeria is remarkable because it's uh, there are not many other parts of the world where you see like a healthy appetite for all of those different types of content, right? Mm -hmm. it, like it really is fascinating. But do you feel like one of them more so than other influences Nollywood? Hmm. One more so. Hollywood. Hollywood does so. Just because Hollywood is consumed more. So Hollywood is mm -hmm. consumed more, but that has, I think that sensibilities were basically honed by a lot of the BBC stuff. No, but mm. I don't. I don't know that there is any. So, like, you look at different parts. So, like, so the big, loud, uh, melodramatic drama stuff. Mm. A lot of that is Bollywood. Like, mm. literally, like, especially of the TV Bollywood mm. comes yeah. a lot of. And also, but also but a lot of the. That's also our life. No, I know. So that's why mm. that's why the TV Bollywood resonates with us. Like, that's why um, Z World came here and mm. blew up Love massively. Mm -hmm. But then also those telenovelas we watched growing up are also very similar. The Maria and all those that's people. That's the telenovelas. Yeah. Stuff. So. I, I don't like, and, but then in terms of techniques, Tarantino, there's a joke that Tarantino has more fans in Lagos than anywhere in the world. So like, they, we're big. That's like, the one I don't agree with. No, a lot of directors are lot of directors big. Yeah, so it's the directors, it's the guys that really love film. No, but, but they're talking but they audiences. Have, no, but they're, but they're making, movie. making the film. So like, every director has their Tarantino film in their pockets. Just, yeah. they will just bring out. Yeah, so like, we have a lot of that. And so I don't know the answer to, like, I, that's part of it. I don't know, actually. Yes, because I can look at a Nigerian film. It will film. still be Hollywood because Disney started it all. I don't know. It's it's when you have so many influences, it's kind of really hard to like pass out which one mm -hmm. is the strongest. But yeah, Hollywood is the biggest partly because of just the scale, sheer scale of it. Mm -hmm. But if you check out various aspects of our stuff, you would find that we take a lot. We pull some stuff from like K drama. We pull mm -hmm. some stuff from telenovelas in particular with the high emotional moments mm -hmm. and sometimes the seemingly overacting. Yeah, we pull from that um, large expressiveness from, what do you call it, Holly Bollywood, for example. If we pull from that, so it's, yeah. we're mismatch. Yeah, we're exactly, mismatch. and then you look at, and if you look at the subculture, so if you look at, for example, Canningwood, which is the Northern stuff, yeah. it's a lot of it is a lot, is influenced Bolly by Bollywood. Bollywood. Mm. So like, it's, so the influences are also a bit regional in their affect also. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. and because there's also a subculture that loves action. So if you look at, in a lot of the earlier stuff from Asaba, there was a yeah. lot of action because okay. they were also heavily influenced by the Hong Kong Wuxia import. Mm. So like, so like all those Nollywood that is cinema Nollywood tends to fit a little bit more like Hollywood, Hollywood. Mm -hmm. which is understandable because when Nollywood in cinema first started, 95% of everybody was watching, <laughs> watching Hollywood. Hollywood yeah. So basically, yeah. to shift taste, it had to be similar yeah, to, to Hollywood but different. Mm -hmm. So, so the so what people call New Hollywood, I hate that term, but that. Wait, why do you hate that term? Because it implies that it is that there is a break from. I think Hollywood is a continuum. Like that, that idea, that, that need to differentiate is annoying because there is no version of Hollywood in cinema without the original Hollywood. So mm -hmm. trying to pretend that there is a separation just, I just feel is random. Yeah, but mm. just called it the original Hollywood. So I guess it's for want of a word mm -hmm. or a term, which is why people call it the new, new one. Because yeah. it's like yeah. a new. But it's all Hollywood. But it's yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, I think it's just it's just different waves, right? So yeah. In some other environment where people decide to like study it a lot deeper, you would then have like, you know. You know, like 
like in architecture, for example, or in design, they'll tell you that there's the Georgian era, Victorian era, this and that era. We would never bother to break it down like that. Yeah. So we just basically look all Nollywood, New Nollywood. And well, we call it military. No, no, no. So you would take something like, so 90s Nollywood, what, what was the major influence of 90s Nollywood? And you would build, you would mm -hmm. basically tag that. No, but if you called, but you had like 1990s, so that's like living in bondage. Yes. yes. Okay. So if you called it the golden age of Nollywood, right? Yeah. So the new Nollywood implies a level of, there's a quality, Thing inherent I that I don't like. To, yes. yes. So if you call it the golden age of Nollywood, uh -huh. yes. but the, but the, uh, the need to to almost in order to say that we are the people and better, better and yes, all of that. because the Nollywood that exists, like Nollywood went global twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, thirty years ago. So like for the idea that this is that Nollywood is now emerging, just starting yeah, I feel that it's a very um, it's odd basically to me because you can learn a lot about Nollywood today mm -hmm. by watching the stuff that Nigerians loved 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, because people are people, right? And so, yes, taste evolved. Taste is evolved. But like, you can't not watch the, you can't, you can't say, look at, look at the films I'm making and your influences are totally foreign. Like, you have to understand what the Nigerians love growing up because, I mean, film school abroad, right? Or you learn what the old masters did as a way to build your taste, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea that your palette should not be expanded by watching old Nollywood or golden age Nollywood, I'm coining it, yes. <laughs> golden age Nollywood, to me, is, is odd, basically. Why is Amazon in Nigeria? Why is Amazon in Nigeria? Yeah. Well, or why are you in Nigeria? Amazon Prime. Well, I mean, uh, well, Amazon Prime Video has existed in Nigeria since 2016. Yes. Very, very tail end of 2016. And, I mean, we have a, a wonderful service. You know, we make our... Global originals, um, you know, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Jack Ryan, yeah. the boys, etc. Invincible. In Invincible. Yeah. We make other, um, uh, you know, another broader suite of content, Bollywood content, etc., mm -hmm. available. And, you know, at this time, like we are, we're just quite honestly building off of that foundation that we, you know, began in 2016 to continue to improve our service, uh, you know, lean into uh, add additional types of content, locally relevant content, Nollywood content, other content from across Sub-Saharan Africa, you know, make it available to our customers in this region. And we're super excited for that. It's still, I mean, we're still, we all have this saying at Amazon, uh, it's, we say it's always day one because yeah. we really try to like maintain a startup sort of entrepreneurial mentality just as a company. And in some respects, with regards to like what we are building, like what we're building upon the foundation that exists in in Nigeria today, it's still very much day one. But we're super excited for that. Oh, nice, because mm -hmm. there's this thing that we used to say. Well, I guess people used to say, but that like Nollywood is five years behind music, and so basically like as Nigerian, Nigerian, Nigerian music, uh, okay, yes, okay, not okay. music in yeah. So oh, okay. like basically, so like so you see that like so five years ago. Um, Nigerian music was starting to dominate in starting Nigeria. Afrobeats. Yes, exactly. I'm mm -hmm. beginning to travel. So, like, yeah, so Nollywood basically is like, it feels like it's at the cusp of that switch where the internalization, internationalization mm -hmm. is. But I guess the, I guess the question is, because we've always believed Nollywood has traveled, but it has traveled in communities mm. of Nigerians, of like, I mean, we're big in the Caribbean, we're big in certain parts of. Europe, Europe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, and yeah, and in Brazil, weirdly, that's still the one that I still don't quite understand. They speak Yoruba, How many people speak Yoruba in Brazil? Damola? I don't know, but there are babalawos <laughs> in Brazil. And you have Yemoja. Yes. <laughs> so there's some crossover. Yeah, in there's see. some crossover in terms of culture. Wow. <laughs> that's <This> all. <laughs> yes, we are reaching. We are reaching, but yes. 
yes. So basically, yeah. So the question, I guess, for 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 you who who sits on a slightly different level, like, what's your expectation of that? Like, is do you expect because Afrobeats traveling that mainstream and took us very by surprise because it was in those communities and then it broke out literally almost like overnight. Yeah. So is that does that happen with other pieces of like are there other subcultures like ours that that happens in where all of a sudden like it goes out of the niche community and becomes mainstream like how does that transition tend to occur in your experience jam question I know. well i want to make sure i understand so you're asking like how does a, a, a true or what like what would be the process for like a true i would say crossover yes like exactly a, like a true nollywood like global uh crossover yeah. um i would say like a, a couple of things i mean i think i personally don't believe necessarily that everything has to be a crossover, right? Like, I, I think there's a real benefit, especially for it, it, Nollywood content, locally relevant content, it could be Bollywood content or, or whatever you. Not everything, I think sometimes think where things go a little sideways, at least from a content creation standpoint, is when folks, you know, strive so hard to have some a, a film or a series or what have you reach a quote-unquote global audience, that it loses sort of the hyper-local nature of it. I think effectively content that is really good premium content that is, I'll say, local in nature, in this case, like Nollywood, if it's, if it's very good, ultimately it will cross over. But mm -hmm. sometimes I think folks try really hard to have that, to create almost artificially a crossover mm -hmm. thing. And so it, it, you lose something because it doesn't quite, it loses that, the importance of like the local, like the local relevance of mm -hmm. that piece of content. And then it's a little different because it kind of has a more of a dilutive effect. So it's, it's a long way of saying, I mean, I think of whether we're talking Nollywood or your, your question had me reminded me of things like in the US, like um, um, Selena and music, other types of music that hit some point in time where, again, it sort of transcended uh, a, a popularity with um, a particular yeah, yeah. demographic group and then sort of hit mainstream. And, and I just think it's some, you know, I think it's premium hyper-local stories and those stories will travel. Hyper-local stories. I, I do. I think it's hyper-local. I mean, I think hyper-local premium stories, and I think they'll reach a point where they'll hit a tipping point and ultimately sort of cross over. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you guys, I mean, I, you know, maybe the closest that comes to mind is the wedding party, right? Yeah. So you guys, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, tell, that's and, a, that's and even I would say that didn't story. even have tons. I would say that had broad diasporic appeal. Yeah. You guys can tell me, do you think, did it really cross over? I mean, you guys had the so, vantage point of seeing it from the so, other end. So we, so we, I think it, it, it almost did. So when we released Wedding Party 2, we released Wedding Party 2 in 20 European countries. Mm -hmm. And more people showed up than we thought. Because, I mean, so we did as an experiment just to see, was there, well, and it wasn't just Nigerians and Nigerians in diaspora. Mm -hmm. So if we felt if we had a little bit more money, a bit more push, people would have, like, it felt that like the Wedding Party could have made that, it could have been a dangal, that moment mm -hmm. where people literally are willing to to watch something in a culture that's very different, different to Different from theirs. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. not as a result of your possible Nigerian friend telling you to watch it. Mm -hmm. So, because I mean, I, using Dangal as an example, Nas was, I think, you don't that Nas and me basically recommended, I said, look, you need to watch this movie. I don't know why and I'm watching. I, I okay. was there. Sorry. I pushed it. Yes, as well. <laughs> Zulu <laughs> as well. Yes. <laughs> so the three of them basically told me to watch this movie. And this was a movie that was like, what, part one, part two. Each part was three hours. No, no, that, no, no. That's Bahu Bali. Dangal was just one, three and a half hour Yeah, that was one, three, three and a half hour movie. And I was like, yeah, but none of them are Indians, right? And I had to watch this movie with subtitles. As you should. <laughs> so yeah, there's all of that. But then it's a scenario where I think the 
the true crossover effect is when it's not your Nigerian friend telling you yes. to watch a Nigerian movie, but some other person altogether mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. stumbled on the movie and mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. loves it and is willing to then push it, which happened in the music industry. Because, I mean, we all knew the story of Essence this summer, mm -hmm. but all of a sudden, like, on the global charts, I just kept seeing Love Wanting. I'm like, why, is, why are people listening to Love Wanting? And it just randomly blew up. Because, like, because a Nigerian song, because Essence, he has... Thames, Whiskey, Justin Bieber hopped on it. So that was the ordained mm. global smash. Mm. And then this song by CK from 2019 is hitting, mm. and you're like, okay. TikTok. People are looking out for Nigerian songs and listening to them. It feels like a moment that is, okay. that is, that is entering. I mean, and I don't know if I should say it's a good thing, right? Because it's going to change. Because the, you start mentally saying, I'm trying to make content to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's what I was saying. Like you're trying to make content solely yeah. like for this purpose of forcing a crossover. Yeah, and, and that's where I that like I would just work. Wor well, I would say I would, that's where I would just worry a little yeah. bit. I mean, yeah. I think again, I, I don't think, I, I think that feels to me this intrinsically sort of artificial. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, but not to say that it can't be successful, depending yeah. on what we're talking about. But I would not. I still ultimately think like good. Good stories will travel. Like good okay. stories will find that audience, and it's not always necessarily about like marketing. Yeah. You're right. Things will hit a, a tipping point, and I think you can do that and re retain what I would qualify as like the authentic, underlying sort of Nollywood sensibility to the content, mm -hmm. and it will ultimately sort of push through. I like how you phrased it: hyperlocal stories. In the end, the films you, you're even talking about, the Bahubalis and the Dangals. Do a big hit in their local community. Yes, yeah. authentically I mean, Indian. Even Parasite was a massive hit yeah. in, in Korea. Authentically yeah. Korean. With yeah. subtitles, so, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, like, we've talked a little bit about the specialization in terms of, of the subgenres. So, what do you think are things that, like, we need to do better based on, like, just broad strokes, yeah. like, in general? Well, I won't say, but I mean, I would say keep, I mean, I mean, Inkblot should keep making wonderful movies, you know, first and foremost. Uh, you guys will continue to do that. I mean, taking a step back, if you're asking me just generally about, like, you know, Nollywood and, yeah. you know, yeah. just, uh, you know, I would say, uh, I, I would reiterate the importance of the upfront development process, right? Mm -hmm. And I know it's not always possible. I know, you know, different filmmakers have different resources, et cetera, but, but the upfront process, making time to, like, the right, the, you know, iterations, writing, writing, more writing. So I think um, sometimes, I, I worry that that gets a little rushed. So I would say the biggest thing is actually probably spend more time on the upfront process. Development. Yeah, development. The, the, the development, uh, you know, to, to optimize, refine a script, et cetera, before one starts to execute against it. Mm -hmm. I think there's real opportunity there if, if resources allow for that. And I know they don't always, they always yeah. don't. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, yeah, writers are, they're like, they're what they're waiting gold in Hollywood. It's, yeah. yeah, they're like unicorns. Unicorns don't exist. So, so literally, so let us, that's not it. Okay, a, white yes. <laughs> So, yeah, so it's, and, and, and I think, but I think it's improving, I guess, because mm -hmm. as there's more demand, more, because writing is very difficult, it's very mm -hmm. time consuming, et cetera, et cetera. So, the ability to have a job and do your life, but I think it's something that we, that we actively are trying to figure out also on our side. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying, if resources allow. And I know I know they always don't, but I think that's probably like sort of most important or one of the most important things. Yeah. It's the foundation of the talk. Naturally, because there's more and more and more capital in Nigeria right now to make films because it feels like it's that moment. But like you can't buy your way to writing. You have somebody has to 
learn the craft. Yeah. 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 And just basically go through and the act of writing. And it also flows downstream, right? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, if you tighten it up front, you're not doing as many reshoots, yeah. et cetera. So there is sort of a domino effect. Oh, no. <laughs> no? No. 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 Reshoots always, always happen. No, unless it's like something happens <laughs> okay. to your footage. Yes. OK. Yes. Unless your footage literally burns. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or, or actually, but I mean, Upnot is a bad example because we actually saw something missing, and and luckily we had I, the ability had, to reshoot. That was a reshoot. That was a no, that's, no, that's a reshoot. That's what technically a reshoot. No, it was added since. It's that's, not like we went. Uh, and that's added a garnish. Since that's different. a garnish. Not like it was a garnish. Not like, garnish. Not like you had it. It wasn't that we had shot something, something and then we said we need to like reshoot it, and then let's reshoot it. But I guess there's all. I guess it also comes down to your budget and the resources that you have available. So there's also this question. Do you write to your budget, or do you write and then find the budget? Then, then do you? So you know, it, it, for us, it's been both. It's both. Yeah. Mm. For us, it's been both because we've had stories from the past that we haven't sh- we, we haven't um, produced because mm-hmm. just this no needs too much money. It needs too much money. And then there's the one. Oh, this is how much we have to spend, and you know. Then mm-hmm. figure, so, it figure goes from a restaurant to Roman Palo. Yeah. You scale down very nicely. Yeah, you know, we can. We don't have to go. You know, just talk. Just the emotion is the emotion. Just instead of yeah. it being a car crash, it's now just a slap. <laughs> you know, just, you know, yeah. yeah. But that's unfortunate. I actually had this discussion and debate with someone yesterday. I think mm-hmm. you have. To, I think when when I think when the budget is constrained, mm-hmm. writers will constrain their thoughts to fit that fit budget. That budget. Yeah. So yeah. if you can, even if you have to, like I'll say, optimize the things and tweak them later, mm-hmm. to at least start like with an uninhibited, like okay. or, or think mentally with like a bigger budget and, and not constrain the creative process oh, yeah. up, up front, mm-hmm. because there is a relationship between those two, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that one, where you tell someone there's a budget for this, and because of that, that just keeps hammering Oh, in the back of the room, and then you're not like any idea. Like, you're like, oh, see, anytime I see the waves and water and anything to do with water, <laughs> Zul is like, no. Can we take that out <laughs> somewhere else? Because... Like in a bathtub or something? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, so so like I try to do that sometimes, but I don't always succeed. So like I try and write the first draft mm-hmm. purely with the writer's heart. So like the first mm-hmm. passes. I have a million dollars per day to make this. Mm-hmm. And then as I do passes, I, I, I cut mm-hmm. it down, I pull out this, oh no, we're not having a car crash, I'm going to turn me in Ambridge. Mm-hmm. No, this type of thing. And then over time, you're it. But it also helps to know how to write to your budget also as a writer, mm-hmm. because we, partly because of the, you don't have the time, sometimes you don't have time to do all those multiple drafts, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it's a work in progress. And our producer has flashed his sign at us three times. So, we could keep talking all day. Yes, but we're specialists at talk. We've never been on time for any of our episodes. Why are you pointing? Why are you pointing? No, no, about to say, he was about to say we're specialists at talking. It's two of you that wow. are specialists at talking. So what are you specialists at? I'm especially at listening. Oh, really? I listen, yeah. You lie to yourself like that? No, no, no. I listen, I observe, and then I let you know there's a pit. Don't fall in. Congratulations, pit watchers. Thank you. Official listener <laughs> of the In Blood Club. Yes, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, we'll let you have the last no. word. Yes, please. Last word. Yes. Yes. Sign us out, you know, because we're all terrible at this, so yes. it can't be any worse. Yes. Terrible yes. at signing people out, yes. Technically, we have no skill at this job. Yes. I don't know why we're doing this. Yeah. We know nothing. Yes. No, no. I mean, look, it's been my honor and pleasure. I, this is like my 15 minutes of fame. I mean, <laughs> I am... Fame to one person in America, which is you, uh-huh. and, then, and then 11 others no. in Nigeria. Well, yeah. well right well. after this... 11, wait, back. including the three of you? Yeah. Uh, right after this, she's going to go back and say, look, I was interviewed on this show. Look at all their other guests. I was on it. So she's Indeed. a star, yes.
if you say so. Yes. Yeah, so please. <laughs> no, both of you didn't allow her to sign us out. Okay. Right, right. Please sign us out. And you said that you had a listening one. I was listening and so I had a comment. <laughs> now, how do I sign us out? Anyhow, you like, you know, no. watch Inglot. Watch us. Watch, watch us. Please. Hope you enjoy it. You know. Please sign well, up I for hope, Amazon. I, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on Eat Block Meet and Greet. It has been my honor. Okay. Um, and yeah, thank you. Okay. Please sure. sign up for Amazon Prime Video. Yes. 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 Thank you. Do that. Yes. Thank you. It's available now in Nigeria <laughs> since 2016. You sound like, <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a pee <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.